I'd like to thank Brother Wayne for giving me the opportunity to preach. I thank God as well for giving me the opportunity. This message has been on my heart. God's been convicting me for probably since January to preach this message, and I'm excited that I got the chance to preach, and I pray that it convicts and speaks to heart. And I'm glad I got some of my friends here tonight. Praise God. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Genesis chapter 3. And I'm going to drink some water right quick. So. All right, Genesis chapter 3, and I'll start in verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And here's my two verses right here. Just pay attention. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And listen to this. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? I usually don't name my messages, but if you get one thing from this message, the name of it is Adam, where art thou? Let's pray. Amen. Father, I thank you for this day, dear God. I thank you for everything that you've given us. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word, dear God. It's been, it's been a while, dear God, and I, I miss it, and I'm thankful that I even get the opportunity to preach. Father, I pray that if anyone is away from you or backslidden, dear God, that you use this message, dear God, in all of our lives and help us to draw closer to you, dear God. And I, I, I thank you for how you've used this message in my life, dear God, and where I've truly seen your loving kindness and how much you care and love us, dear God. Father, use this message for your honor and glory. Forgive me for anything that would hinder this message, dear God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So before I start, let me get out of this. I would like to apologize to anybody that I've offended or anybody that I have hurt unintentionally. I don't want anything or anything at all to stop anybody from getting anything from this message. So I am sincerely sorry. So you see, mostly everybody in the world, whether you're a Christian or not, you know about Adam and Eve. Everybody does. Everybody knows the whole story, what happened there. But you see, not everybody reads the Bible and not everybody dives in. The Bible is like a gold mine. When you start digging in, you find newer and newer things and better things. And we see in the book of Genesis is the book of creation. We see God creates light. He creates darkness. He creates the world, the trees, the herbs the animals, and we see that he creates Adam and Eve. We even see God lets Adam name all the animals. And the, the one thing that stands out is everything is perfect. Everything is just. There was no sin, no fallen man, just the pureness of God. And right as all is well, we come to chapter 3, and the first thing we see, now the serpent. You see, we see Satan mention the first thing. And he's mentioned as a serpent. You see, a serpent is a snake. 
A snake is subtle. It's beautiful. It knows its way around. It knows how to sneak up on an animal. And it will take however long it takes to strike that animal dead. And you see, it's just like Satan. He's deceiving. He's divisive. And the Bible calls Satan an angel of light. And we see he waits for the perfect moment here to tempt Eve to make her question what God had told her about not eating the fruit. And I just want to give a backstory right quick. But you see, Satan promised they would be gods. Oh, how great they would be, all the things he promised them. And you see, we see here, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And I imagine as Satan's telling her, eat it, eat it, she's going, no, no, no. But as she starts staring at that fruit, the longer that she looks at it, the, the more that she gazes at it, the more beautiful that fruit becomes, the more attractive it becomes. That was their first mistake. And you see, it, it reminds me of the story just like in Matthew when Satan took Jesus over the mountain. And he said, all of this can be yours. All the cities, everything, this all can be yours. If you'll just bow down and worship me, I will give you everything. You see, Satan always shows you the pretty side of sin. He shows you the pleasures of sin. He shows you all that it will profit you, but he never shows you the loss of it. He never shows you the consequences of it, what it will cost you. You see, but we see that she falls for Satan's lies and he and eats of the fruit and then gives it to Adam. And you see, Adam, who literally walked with God daily, who was closer to God than any of us, any all the godly men put together, he was closer to God than all of them put together. And you see, in an instant, fell, spiritually speaking. And this is what gets me. This is, this is where it really gets good. And you see, we read, And as they hear God coming, they run and hide behind trees. They were so close, and now they're hiding their face from God. And you see, and as Adam and Eve hid in those bushes, I'm sure they felt alone. I'm sure they felt abandoned. They were scared of the Lord's reaction to their sin. Who wouldn't be? You see... What have you done? Do you feel alone? Do you feel abandoned? Are you scared? Have you fallen away from God? Read verse 8 and 9 with me. And they heard the voice of the Lord God, the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? One thing that always stands true no matter what is that God never and will never, ever forget His children. You see, God knew exactly what happened. He knew exactly where Adam, Adam and Eve were. But li just listen to this. When He said, when He called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? It wasn't because He didn't know where they were. I mean, this is the same God that created everything. He's the creator of everything. He knew exactly where they were. But when He called unto them, He called unto them because he, the, he wanted them to know where they were. Physically, hiding from God and spiritually how far they had fallen away from Him. Sure. You see, Adam, where art thou? He was saying, Adam, where art thou? Adam, look at you. What have you done? You were made of the image of me, of God. And you were perfect. No fault at all. And you're dirtied yourself with sin. You've covered yourself with fig leaves. You see, you were perfect. No, how in an instant sin had ruined you. And I believe he's saying it to, to us tonight. Adam, where are you? Brother Wayne, where art thou? Wesley, where art thou? Where am I? Where are you in your walk with God? Have you even ever gotten near God? Have you been near but you fell away? You see, Adam, where art thou? You once loved me. You adored me. You spent time with me. You shared your love of me to others and beamed my light 
You sang for me. You preached for me. You lived for me. And now you've went away. For what? You see, when I read this story, I, I think about the people in Jeremiah. If you ever read the first chapters of Jeremiah, that's where it really sticks out. But I'll explain it to you to save on time. But you see, the people in Jeremiah, they were people that were, that were low, they were needy. And God came to them. He helped them. He protected them. He blessed them. He brought them up from a sunken place. And you see, right as they got to their peak, they forgot about God. They abandoned God. And, and most people think of God as some sovereign God that has no emotions. He's just judgmental. But you see in those verses that, that God is loving, He's caring, he, he cares so much about His people because as those people do Him dirty, He says, what fault have your fathers found in me that you went away from me? What have I done wrong? Tell me. Just talk to me. What have I done wrong that you have left me? You see, He even says in those verses, He says, return unto me, thus saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. He says, and you keep reading those verses, he keeps begging over and over again for his people just to acknowledge their sins and to return to him. And that he would forgive them. He'd forget all the wrong they'd done. And he would continue blessing them. But again and again, they kept leaving God and going back to the world. But he says, I've loved you. I've cared for you. And now you've pursued worthless things. Pornography, drugs, alcohol, sex, money, love, fame, uncleanness, vanity. You name it. We've all went away from God to pursue something else. You see, and we've become spotted with the world. And look what you've become because of sin. But God has a promise. God has a way. He will not leave His children forsaken and alone. No matter, no matter even if you've never came to God, if you're not saved, there's still a way. God still makes a way. And if you look in Isaiah 118, you see a beautiful verse. I'll go ahead and read it. Isaiah 118. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Amen. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Amen. You see, he's saying, let's work this out. Just come talk to me. Let's talk as like your parents or your friend. Just let's, let's hash this out. Tell me what's wrong. And I will clean you up. I will make you white as snow. Your sins and iniquity will I remember no more. He's saying, I will love you. I will care for you. I will do what nobody else will. I'll be there for you no matter what. I will never leave you. You see, he's saying, no matter how, no matter how filthy, no matter how bad, no matter the worst thing you think you've done, it will not keep you from God. There's nothing in this world that you can do. You could add on every sin possible in this world, and it will still not keep you from God. Well, I've done this. I've done that. I feel this way. God can't possibly forgive me. God doesn't love me. He doesn't care about me. My friend, let me tell you. I imagine as Adam and Eve hid in those bushes, imagine, well, behind the trees, my bad, but I imagine as they hid behind those trees, every emotion came piling on them. Look what we just done. God will never love us again. He'll never love us the way that he loved us before. He hates us now. I mean, they did sin the first ever sin. It's pretty bad. But read Psalms... Go to Psalms 106.44 right quick. Psalms 106.44 says this. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry. What else is there to say? Praise God. Even though those people, and these are talking about another group of people that have done the same thing like in Jeremiah. 
But even though those people done God so wrong, they done them done him so dirty, when he when they cried unto him, he couldn't ignore it. When they were in their distresses and said, God, I know we've done wrong. Forgive me. God had every right to ignore them. But when he heard their cry, he just couldn't. He came down there to help them. And you see that they he continued blessing them. You see, one of the big things that everybody overlooks is God doesn't need us, but he wants us. He loves us. He cares for us. He cares for us so much that in Romans 5, 8, it says, But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. You see, while we didn't care about God, while we didn't have a thought about God, while we went in our way sinning, we never even a thought about God. He thought about us. He cared about us. He cared so much about us that he went even to the cross. He, did, he was perfect. And he took all the shame that God put on him, all the physical pain. The reproach, everything. He done that just so we might be able to repent of our sins and go to heaven when we die. You see, God loves us even so much that he created hell. Well, how can he love us so much that he created hell? Because he loves even the sinners. They go their whole life and say, I don't want God. I don't want God. I don't need God. Even to the point of death. Okay, you don't want me? So you go to hell. Because hell is literally the exact place opposite of God. God is good. God is joy. God is healing. God is everything good and just. Hell is the exact opposite. God don't want you to go to hell. But if you continue choosing your whole life against him, he'll give you what you want. That's how much he loves you. He could force you to love him, but that's not true love. He wants you to decide, God, I love you. But you see, do you feel alone? Do you feel like nobody understands you like Adam and Eve did? Do you feel like nobody loves you? Let me tell you, God loves you. He cares for you more than you will ever know. And he wants you. Give him your life. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. Don't waste your life on this world. Give it to God. Let him use it. What are you looking for with your life? You will never, and I mean you will never, ever be satisfied with anything in this world. No pleasure, money, drugs, music. Anything Satan can promise you or give you, you will never, ever find happiness for it because of this one fact. Your heart was made for God, therefore your heart will never be satisfied with anything else other than God. Your, your heart, there's a hole missing in your heart that everybody tries to fill up, but nothing will ever fill that hole up unless Jesus Christ fills that hole up. You see, you don't have to be chained to those sins that bind you. You can have victory in Jesus Christ. If you give him your life, he will break you from those habits. He will change your desires. Go to God and he will never cast thee aside. You see, I know, and I know personally, God has never and will never abandon anybody that comes to him in faith. The Bible says, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. If you're hungry, go to God and he will feed you. If you thirst, he's living waters. He will quench your thirst. It's all biblical. I'm not saying it. The Bible says it. In Romans 8.38. Go right there right quick. Romans 8.38 says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In going back to Adam and Eve, and we see right after they go to God, they come out of hiding, they go to God, 
and they talked to him. They confessed their sins, what they had done wrong, albeit they might have lied. They still went to God and they still talked to him. And what does he do? If you go to verse 21, he goes, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. He continued helping them. Even after all the wrong they did, he continued helping them. You see, and I believe God's asking you tonight, no matter who you are, God's asking, Adam, where art thou? Where are you with God? Are you close to him? Have you drifted away or have you never even been near him? Regardless, he's calling for you tonight. In my last verse, Matthew 11 says this. Let me flip to it right quick. My bad. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest in your souls. Amen. He's saying, Come unto me. Just come. I don't care what you believe in, good works, anything. It will not save you. Throw away all your theology, all your doctrines, all your good works. Throw any hope in yourself away. Just bury it tonight and just go to God. Come unto me. Adam, where art thou? Come unto me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this message, dear God. It's, it's been on my heart to preach for so long, Father. And I pray, that, I pray that you please convict somebody in here, dear God. If they're not saved, dear God, if they never trust in you as their Savior, dear God, I pray today be the day of salvation, as it says in the Bible, dear Lord. That today be the day that they... They, they, they put all aside, dear God, and they run to you, dear God, and cling to you because you, you're the only way of life, dear God. There's no other way, Father, and there's no other truer joy than walking with you, dear God. I know it as well. I, I, I regret all the times I've not walked with you, dear God, but I've never regretted an ounce of walking with you. Father, I thank you for this message. Use it for your honor and your glory. I pray that you please be with Brother Wayne as he preaches tonight, dear God. Father, I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.